All right, guys, thank you for that carrier update. It's time now for our community segment for your Friday. We've got Mary O'Connell joining us to talk running on ice. Mary, thank you for being here this morning. Going back to a topic that we are definitely very familiar with, transporting pharmaceuticals and some of the intricacies that go along with that. We've touched on it a lot on the small scale, but I want to ask you about large-scale transportation of pharmaceuticals. How do things work when we're talking about big shipments and not small things that are moving individually? So it kind of depends on um, a whole bunch of different factors as with every shipment. But one of the things that I actually learned this week um, that's one of the more uh, things I didn't think about is that when it comes to shipping pharmaceuticals, very rarely do you have a full truckload um, because the, and the the thing isn't because, you know, there's not enough medicine or um, goods to ship on it. It's because more often than not, it's actually going to you know, be too expensive to insure of all things. Uh, you know, when you have medicine that is high value, you know, insurance companies have a limit as to what they'll insure on the roads. And so more often than not, the reason that uh, full truckloads don't actually happen that often in the medical farm pharmaceutical world is because it's too expensive to insure. And that's something that we learned today, uh, or that's what we will learn today on running on ice. And I thought that was very interesting because, you know, in other, um, in other industries, if you have a partial truckload, you know, you want to try and fill it with a load from something else. But in the pharmaceutical world, you can't because, you know, it's too expensive to insure and, um, you know, insurance companies have liability limits they're willing to accept as well. And Mary, I'm sure you can guess the next question I'm going to ask is always going to come back to tech. So we're looking at pharmaceutical uh, really as a specific industry within this segment of the supply chain. Are there any specific tech advancements or standards that are being used compared to food? So it's, there's a lot that is a very similar carryover for pharmaceutical versus like food or another refrigerated good. Um, and that's that visibility, the tracking, the knowing where your products are at any given time. Um, the only thing that comes, you know, in addition to some of the pharmaceutical stuff is that, you know, because it is such high cost and, you know, it is just high, like, you know, sometimes it's expensive products, sometimes it's even controlled products. Like, you know, if you have a whole shipment of narcotics, obviously you don't want anything bad to happen to that. So there's just some extra security measures put in place. Um, and, you know, but the biggest thing that regarding tech that comes to it is um, that, that track that tracking piece because more than ever on those controlled substances that are traveling you need to know where those are at any given time and you need to know you basically need to be able to log in and see exactly where they are and that's why it's so important um, to have that visit those strong visibility tools and you know really have a good system in place but the the biggest issue in pharmaceutical tech is the same in everything and that is that you know, you, you're, you're only as good as your data. So if you have people, if you have customers or you have shippers that are, you know, struggling to get that clean, accurate data, then your step one is there. So ultimately, uh, pharmaceutical transportation could benefit from some data standardization, just like I'm sure drive-in and every other type of uh, tra- tra- trucking transportation could also benefit from. 
You're asking for a very impossible task there, Mary, <laughs> to get all that data and have it standardized across the industry. I want to take a step back to the insurance piece that you mentioned, because I think that's really interesting when you're talking about pharmaceuticals, especially because what you're carrying has such a different wide range of liability to it, right? You mentioned narcotic mm-hmm. shipments, and those have a very huge amount of liability. Whereas if you're carrying things that are pharmaceuticals, maybe say like gauze or gloves or PPE, things like that, their liability on that is fairly low. Where does that kind of balance kind of shake out? And are brokers or 3PLs or folks who are having to deal with booking these loads having to kind of adjust their expectations and their pricing depending on the liability that they find? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's kind of the same um, when when you do like a flatbed load, that's really expensive. You know, you have to go and find extra insurance or the carrier has to go get additional insurance and they can just pick it up like per load. But the um, you have to go get that extra insurance that covers up to a certain amount. And that means that, you know, the carriers cover, the carriers paying more, they're incurring additional charges. And so, you know, your rate needs to come up and it's really just about, I would not recommend anyone who's new to pharmaceuticals get into pharmaceuticals, um, or I wouldn't recommend that's like your first thing outside of dry van. I would start with, you know, some regular temperature controlled freight before you move to maybe those pharmaceuticals because it gets, um, you can get very lost in the weeds very quickly. So uh, it really is just about knowing what you're shipping because like you mentioned, saline and uh, other medical supplies or medical devices are going to be wildly different than if you were doing, you know, life-saving medication that actually had to get somewhere on time. And that's the other thing that is so crucial about these pharmaceutical shipments is, you know, if it's late or if, you know, a driver gets stuck in traffic or a reefer unit stops working, it's not just like, oh, we might have some, um, some lettuce that's spoiled or like some of the shipment that gone, that has gone bad. If they lose any visibility on that temperature aspect of it, you know, we don't know what's happened to that medicine. And it's not like someone will just, you know, feel bad for a few days if they eat something that's not, you know, that's not great or maybe might have fallen outside that desired window. This is medication and it ultimately could end up doing extreme harm to someone. So that's why those um, those tracking pieces and that, you know, temperature controlled piece is so crucial because it's, it's, it's basically life or death. And Mary, keeping somewhat on that topic, we're looking at keeping those medicines and pharmaceuticals safe. Can you tell us a little bit about some that may expire or really keeping a good stock and really what it looks like when they're, we're seeing, you know, things like shortages on the news networks what are going to be some of the causes that may be preventable or really kind of impactful from the supply chain aspect? So some of the shortages right now, it's it's really interesting because it's, it's at a supplier level, not necessarily as a result of transportation, which, you know, is great for supply chain people out there that they're like, oh, we're not the problem. Um, but it is not great for those who are, you know, struggling to get medication. I see it all the time, all over social media of like, hey, does anyone know if you, this pharmacy has it in stock or does anyone know where I can get this medicine? And, um, you know, it, the hesitancy to call it a shortage because it's only in certain markets that it might be a shortage or, you know, the FDA hasn't officially declared it a shortage. That is kind of where I feel like it almost needs to catch up. There needs to be like a, like a pre-shortage list. Um, 
but, or like something that's like, you know, Hey, these are running low or anything because that'll sometimes trigger people to buy extra. And that's great for that life-saving medication. But then also for those who maybe don't have the insurance or don't have the funds to cover that, you know, that surplus, um, it, you know, it leaves everybody just kind of, we're back in the toilet paper situation of 2020 where nobody can find it anywhere. Um, except this time it's not toilet paper. It's things that help people function and stay alive. So it's one of those that, um, really it's just kind of suppliers are doing the best that they can. And, uh, personally, I think, you know, we, we kind of all need to do better and create some extra visibility into the situation as to, you know, what shortages are happening with the, happening with the suppliers. And, you know, if supply chain can come in and uh, help some suppliers out. Buy only what you need and leave the rest for everybody else. Mary, thank you for joining us this morning. Great to have you as always. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. And we'll, of course, hear from Mary a little bit later on today with Running on Ice. Right now, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with more for Now. 